What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my one co-host, Vito Annazelli. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Vito, my man. What up? How are we feeling? Feeling good, bro. I'm ready to do it. Champions All League right. is back. Yes, yes, yes. It, um... Interesting my first match week. Let's put it that way. Yeah. A lot of uh, interesting score lines, some hell of a lot of fireworks in the Atletico game earlier today. Obviously, saw the ending to that one. Three goals yeah. in the 92nd minute. Bro, imagine imagine Ben the over being so depressed the entire <laughs> game, being like, there's no chance. What why I'm, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot. And then all of a sudden your phone just lights up three goals. Yeah, I, I was I was at work and I was following it and I was like, it just it was like brr, brr, just vibrating. I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking crazy. And then actually, ironically, that was the, the last time that happened with three goals after the 90th minute was also their same exact game back in uh, last year's championship, last year's Champions League in December. No kidding. Yeah, how, far, how weird is that one? So, fun fact for you out there. Everyone's covering some statistics. But um, let's head to the Premier League games real quick. We'll start off with the news and notes. Right, just let's go right into the Champions League. We have a lot to talk about. Um, yep. First big shock scoreline, Zagreb versus Chelsea, 1-0. The Blues fall. Yeah, that was the nail in the coffin. Um, I mean, it's no it's, it's no surprise that that scoreline is on there. Um, of all of the ones, I think this is probably one of the less surprising, just purely by, based on how Chelsea have been playing as of late. You know, I, we're both Chelsea supporters, you know, as everyone knows. So I don't think either of us were shocked to see that. Um, got a couple of cameos from some new players about me and got in the squad, but failed to really make an impact. Um, poor decision-making in the first half. They had a chance to be one or two up um, going into the break, but... Needless to say, that was the exact opposite of one of Zagreb um, on a beautiful counterattack, needless to say. But poor, poor game from Chelsea and not the way you want to start uh, your campaign. I mean, that's that's really detrimental for a side they should be beating. Yeah, just, you know, just a little bit. Because on the other side, uh, a team that Man City should be beating in Sevilla, they won 4-0 away. So slight um, discrepancy in terms of where the teams currently are at, I would say. Oh yeah, a big that, that pretty much explains it all. I, that that says more than anything else. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, then today, uh, score lines: Napoli four-one over Liverpool and Spurs two-nil over Marseille. Dude, what's going on, at Liverpool man? They just rough start this is, of the year. It's the defense, dude. It's you know as much as the talk came about with replacing Sadio Mane, they obviously did a fantastic job in the likes of you know still having Diego Jota. They have. Um, Oh my God, Luis. And it's just not clicking. Like e- even though he scored in that match, it's defensively the problems. I mean, they, for anyone who didn't watch the game, Liverpool gave up two penalties in the opening 15 minutes and were bailed out by Allison on the second one with his penalty save. Even with that happening, they still lost four to one. Joe Gomez got his pocket picked after winning the ball back. Um, and that could have been converted as well. If it wasn't for a goal line clearance, I mean, they're defensively just all over the place, which is, I don't know. I'm curious what your, your thoughts are here, but for me, it's not entirely unsurprising be knowing the fact that Alexander Arnold and Robertson aren't the world's best defenders to say the least their, their strength has always been in, in pressure in attack and, and running. They're much, they're much more suited for a wing back than a back for uh, yeah, situations. Yeah. Exposed Van Dyke's getting up there. Age day. I mean, obviously signed Coyote last year um, or Konate, I'm sorry um, to try to try to be like the next young guy in the lineup, you know, Solidifying up the defense a little bit. 
that hasn't really worked out. Gomez was injured last year. Maybe he's off the pace a little bit this year. I I don't know if it's a tactics tactics thing, if they should get a better center defensive mid in there um, to help cover them as well. I know I think they signed, what was it, Arthur? We'll probably get to that in a second. Yeah, they, they had a loan deal for Arthur, and that was actually their second choice. I mean, they wanted Zakaria. Yes, yeah, so I I don't even I don't even think he'd really really be the one solving the problems either. I mean, we saw him get seriously exposed. Was it two weeks ago in the midfield? Um, and Klopp went on a spree. He's like, yes, we like the fans are right. We were wrong. We do need to beef, beef up our midfield. I, I don't think it's a sign to do it. They're. I mean, they have so the talent. One weird one. What's they, up? They have the talent in defense. Like, I don't think it's a matter of signings for the defense. I think it's a matter of them putting in subpar performances. Like Chelsea needed signings in my book. They needed players to come in and make an impact. Liverpool have the talent and the players, the right personnel. I think they're just not playing up to that caliber in defense. They're not performing yet. I'm like 50, 50. I don't even know if it's the right people anymore. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird situation. I, I felt that when going to this season, I thought they were quite a step below Man City. And I'm starting to realize I, I, I feel like I was right in that, in that one aspect too. I um, think you were undersold it at that point. Yeah, a little bit. Just to make a stronger argument for it. Too big to work. Too, too soon to worry for them though. Too soon. No, it, it is, but at the same time, to me, it's also not like you can't win. Like if we're just going back to the Premier League table, and for instance, you can't win the Premier League in the first 10 match weeks. No. You sure as hell could pretty much lose one. Yeah. So I, take that from Wrexham. Serious <laughs> Did you take that from Welcome to Wrexham? <laughs> Oh, no. Did they, they say, say the same thing last week in their episode? <laughs> they get off to a poor star, and then one of the players goes, you can't win the league in the first few weeks, but you can certainly lose it. <laughs> oh, well, apparently I didn't come up with that quote, everyone. So don't uh, – no no copyright infringement. Yep. We know Ryan Reynolds is listening. I just, I just sourced it. We're good. Yeah, fair, fair. Actually, it's on right now as we're recording, I think. So yeah. I don't have to tune into the next two episodes. So um, biggest news out of the Premier League, obviously, other than all the transfers that came in on transfer deadline day – Thomas Tuchel is now relieved of his duties at Chelsea post that loss to Zagreb, as we were just talking about. Three short names, the three names on the short list. Grand Potter, Zidane, Pochettino. Any of them stand out to you as better than the other? It seemed, it, to my opinion, just from the reports at least, Potter seems to be the favorite. Obviously, with how amazing he's done, like how great he's done at Brighton, it makes sense, especially keeping him in England. Um, Poch, great, great, great time at Tottenham. Got, I feel like kicked out of PSG. Also, they didn't win the Champions League, so it wasn't really a successful stint in my book, considering he had the quality of players that he had. And Zidane, I think he was two two stints at Real Madrid, plenty of Champions League titles. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, look, I, I, these are tough. Like, I think ideally, Potter is probably would be the the main appointment there. Just knowing the history behind Pochettino and Spurs, I, I know you talk about managers in the Premier League going from team to team. I mean, look what Jose Mourinho did. Rafa Benitez did it. You know, um, uh, Villaboas did it as well. But I think the hatred between Spurs and Chelsea at the time of Pochettino's reign was a little bit different. So I can't picture Pochettino taking this job. Not to say he can't. I just don't see it. As far as I think the hatred's still there. Yeah, I don't think it ever. Or, I don't think it ever went away. <laughs> it, it didn't. As far as Graham Potter's concerned, I can't imagine him leaving just an absolutely soaring, no pun intended, uh, Brighton Seagulls team. Like, I, I mean, they're just 
cruising right now. He has the backing of the board. He has the backing of the players, the backing of the fans. I don't see him leaving right now when things are going so well, especially this early into the season. So for me, that leaves that only was, one viable. What? That was the weird part to me. It was that Brighton even are allowing the conversations and, and talks. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine his, by that. his deal, number one, probably has like some ridiculous release clause or something to that effect where or the, or they say, look, what he's done so far, like we like our chances to stay up and make a good push. We're not really looking for Europe anyway. So if we can make the money off of him now, like maybe that's a possibility. I don't really know what they're thinking, but I still don't think he's going to go. I think it'd be ridiculous for him to go that right now. However, I don't know if you had a chance to read Chelsea's statement. They've only made one one statement um, publicly, and they noted that they were moving swiftly to make an appointment as fast as possible, and this was going to be the last time they were talking about the matter. So by all sounds of it, they're trying to get this done. They're trying to get it done and quick. And based on Poch and Potter, Zidane sounds like the only person that would fit the bill at this point in time. However, whether he's willing to take it or not, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm actually pretty big on Potter. I, I think he'd be a hell of a hell of a manager for Chelsea. There, people have to remember there's a massive jump from a, a club like Brighton, although they are definitely on the up and up compared to yeah. a top six Champions League contender every year. Champions League winner two years ago. Exactly. There, there's a much different caliber and expectations, media wise, player wise, play style, everything. Um. So when you see like for a perfect example, David Moyes takes over for Sir Alex Ferguson at Man U, goes from Everton to Man U. Decent jump in in, in terms of that, probably relatively similar to what you know Brighton would be to yeah. current current situation. Plummeted. Yeah. And and we can see with Moyes at West Ham right now, not a bad manager, was great at Everton as well. Like there's just something about like going going from a mid tier ascending squad to a perennial powerhouse in a sense so yeah i felt though the timing of this was extremely extremely weird you spent 300 million for this guy if and you didn't even feel like you had his well first of all the spending itself was so sporadic it was there was no i don't think it was his signings well no i'm just i'm just saying in general like i don't know if they run like tuko's like i want cool cool and then like he was like, now I want to bomb me. Like it, it, it was just strange. But regardless, their transfer window, did you spend all that money? Then you you you, you, you tank the manager. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back strange. to what they said in their in their post. If you get a chance to read it, they said um they they specifically marked like don't don't quote me on this. It's not direct, obviously, but they said something along the lines of under new ownership in the first 100 days, we feel this is a good time to transition. Like the wording of what they said in their public statement made it sound like they had been thinking and planning for this, that this was expected to happen anyway. And I think the results just was like, all right, we'll just do it now. Forget it. Because to your point, that was going to be my next question. Do you think this was a, a little bit premature? I mean, you're talking about a guy who went to five finals in, in what, two years, basically, less than two years, wins the Champions League, the Club World Cup, um, and the Super Cup, and is now out when the rumblings, while they were there because of the performance, weren't nearly as loud as a lot of other manager firings over the years, especially with Chelsea. So I, I have two kind of thoughts about the entire situation in terms of like that, like that question. One was I foresaw this coming. We brought it up last podcast with pool sick, not being transferred. It felt like Bully wanted to keep the player because he wasn't keen on the manager. There's also talks before the season even started if, if Tuchel was even staying. So like, let's, yeah. there was never, 
a hundred percent like we're doing this. It 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 seemed off. It just didn't seem like they were together. Whatever the case is. And then I'm trying I'm trying to think the best way best way to word it. Just say it. No, it, it just you spend all this money. You don't. I can't even. I can't even think of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm completely <laughs> losing my train of thought on it. Yeah, it, no, it, it is. It is what it is at this point. I think it's the right choice for Chelsea. I think it's the right choice for Tuchel. He was very rigid in his play style. He has all these signings, and he still had to go out and get more midfielders. It just feels like he was never happy, and the place, the play style was not there for what Chelsea wants and what they are striving for. Um, and I think it was. I think it was time for them both to go their separate ways at this point. Yeah, I. I, I think he lost the locker room. And that's what spoiled it so quickly. The second a manager does that, I feel like he did the exact same thing at PSG too. Bitched about not having enough transfer funds. He gets a nice big incomings. The locker room seems to hate him. He's out. Yeah. I feel like it was almost an identical situation to what he did at Chelsea. Like, dude, you have ZH hating him for game time. Pool sick. I mean, what, who else? Billy Gilmore. I'm not saying he was, you know, perennial powerhouse, but like he was in everyone else's plans previously. Yeah. I, I, I truly, I, I, if I had to lean one way or another, I think he lost the locker room more than anything else. And then the second you do that, manage it out. New one's coming in. Yeah. I, th- I think, again, I think it's time. So we'll, we'll see what they do in the, the coming weeks. Sounds like we'll have more updates for this probably within the next two weeks, realistically. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Uh, heading over to some deadline transfer news that we didn't cover last week because we recorded too soon. Uh, speaking of, Billy Gilmore, $11 million from Chelsea to Brighton, potentially just not playing for grand Potter anymore. Um, Daniel James on loan from Leeds to Fulham. Then Sicaria to Chelsea on loan. Thought that was a pretty good move for them. Sure. The back line a little bit right in front. Um, Aubameyang to Chelsea for 13 million with Marcus Alonso also going the other way to Barcelona or towards to Liverpool for five mil. It only looked like, was that just, was that a loan deal? Loan or deal. Just a five million loan deal. Okay. So they paid five mil for the loan. I think so. Okay. I, I thought I saw something like that. Uh, then Donker to Villa for 17 million, and then welcome back William to the Premier League on a free to Fulham coming back to London. Yeah, that one was a little bit of a shocker at a left field, huh? Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was done, man, retiring in Brazil and, and just kind of peacing out in the sunset. Yeah, well, I thought the same thing about Diego Costa, and apparently he's going on trial for Wolves. Is he really? Yeah, he's, he's uh, he's not in contract, so he had he had a trial, I want to say. This week, so uh, we're recording on a Wednesday. I think it was tomorrow, so Thursday. Better was last week, but either way, he's having a having it done. They're set to sign him as of eight hours ago by by the rumors. I love that man in Blues jersey. You never, you, you always had to be nervous as hell that he was going to get a red card. But my lord, yeah, was he competitive? And he the he brought card. everything you wanted as a striker. Yeah, besides pace, I mean, surprise you. That you listed out? Do any of those moves surprise you that you listed out? Um, and do you think maybe the Daniel James move to Fulham is a sign of how well Aronson is doing and how much Leeds trust him that they don't need that extra extra backup player in the in that wide area? That was that was going to be my my most surprising of them all because he was I'm not going to say he was a regular starter at the end of last year even when Marsh took over, but he was pretty he was in the lineup constantly. Yeah. Um. So that was probably my most shock one, especially keep in league as well. So other than that, no. Bombing has talked about for a while. Um, Zakaria to Chelsea. 
there was plenty of talks about a new defensive midfielder in there. A little weird in the sense of like we brought up Connor Gallagher. He was starting to play. Obviously, he had a great start with the red card, but I mean, Conte's getting older. Makes sense. Um, they needed a striker and a Bamiang. Makes sense. Uh, Liverpool needed a midfielder. Made sense. I guess Dendocker to Villa. I feel like he was fine at Wolves. I don't know if he was getting enough game time. I didn't pay that much attention to it, but um, yeah, with how much they've spent, yeah. And I guess William was probably the one of the shocks, just because it's like out of left field, really. Other than that, I mean, they could use they could use him at Fulham. So, yeah. Anyway, heading on, let's go to our stars and stripes section where we cover all the United States men's national team players across the globe for standout performances. First up, our man's pretty much been on here. At this point, I think for the last like month, straight. I would say every week for the last month or so, yeah, at least at least four or five uh, weeks. Josh Sargent, eighty-three minutes played, one goal, one assist, seventy-eight percent passing, created two chances, and was man of the match again. Um, he didn't. I noticed though. I don't think he played really up top as a striker in this one because they did have Pookie starting. He was more on the right wing, right mid situation, and he still was able to score and create another one. So, yeah. Um, in my opinion. I know he. I know he lost his chance back in early early days of World Cup qualifying for uh, for Greg. He has to be a must call in for for this camp. Yeah, at this point, absolutely. I mean, he's. I, I don't want to say he's the most consistent, obviously, just because like this is realistically, like it's we we know it's kind of a shorter list this week because a lot of the players and their teams have lost within the last week overall or played to draws and they haven't made much of an impact. But like P folk didn't didn't even get game time in the last one, but. This guy's on there every single week. I'm not a huge fan of Josh Sargent. Like, I, I don't think that's a secret. But at this point, he has to be in the squad, at least for the, the last camp. See what he can do in the um in the last game. I believe they play, what, Japan in Germany, right? They have so. two games. Uh, Japan's one of them. Yeah. And I think they play them in Spain. They play some uh, – is it South – no, not South Korea. Um, India, maybe? No. I don't know. What, regardless, he, he needs to be there for that. He needs to be there. Might be Saudi Arabia. It should Saudi be him, Arabia. Haji, P. Folk, and Ferreira in the lineup, and one of them has to go at the end. That's it. Yeah, I'm excited. I think yeah, 100 needs to call. Do you think though playing in the championship and not a technically a top tier league is going to impact anything on that? I don't think so. I, I think when you look at the remaining strikers who you're talking about here. Um, None of them are playing in top leagues. You can arguably say that the championship is probably the strongest of the leagues, stronger than MLS, debatably, obviously, but I think I I wholeheartedly think it is. Um, and you look at um part of Pepe's now in Netherlands, who we'll get to later, and no one's playing real top, top level, top division football, really. So I, I don't think it's too much of an impact. Okay. Yeah, I mean PFO's probably the closest over in Germany. Realistically, um, yeah, who just earned that movement? He's doing brilliantly. So outside of yeah, you're right. Outside of P folk, all right, he's locked in then. He's yeah. <laughs> um, next up, Yunus Musa, 90 minutes played, two assists, 87 percent passing, three chances created, two big chances, uh, two dribbles, and also man of the match performance. Yeah, Rain is healthy now. Also playing, and he had two assists. Two, it was two. Oh, yeah, two. the Champions League. Reina had yeah, two assists, two. yep. Yeah. What do you think uh, happens in this midfield now, man? I th I think you have to seriously look at playing. like a, I mean, they're going to play a 4-3-3, but I think Gio is going to be given uh, freedom to roam a little bit. I don't know. It's good to have these options. I mean, these guys can't play 
and now in the heat that they're going to experience 100 I mean, degrees probably the these stadiums are air conditioned they're not they're not playing outside yeah it's still gonna be hot as shit though outside like it's still gonna, it's they're gonna be tired they're gonna be tightly packed together they say they say they say on field temperatures are actually in like the high 60s low 70s wow that's weird but that's awesome um Regardless, so we'll they're going to need we'll to rotate much, those we'll legs. We'll see how much it actually plays into it. I, yeah. I, that's not just from reports. I mean, they can get there and be sweating bullets and be playing really 90-degree heat because the AC breaks. Who knows? But Yeah, I mean, it's it's still good to have those players. I imagine he'll probably be coming off the bench. I think I think Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams are locked up in that like kind of defensive, more defensive role with McKenney be given the freedom to roam. And I think Pulisic and obviously Aaron at this point are just absolute locks in the wing. So bringing him on as a threat, like we did towards some of the later stages of World Cup qualifying is going to be devastating. I think that's probably going to be his primary role unless he just comes out guns blazing. And I mean, just from that one dribble he had against Mexico, he comes out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I was picturing, right? <laughs> he might, then you got way on the right wing if you want to move Reyna out there. But like, the McKenny could even go float forward to that. Yeah, it's a weird one, dude. We've never, we've actually never had options like this in our midfield. It's before. fantastic. Like, I love it. <laughs> like, ever. The, the fact like a that proper footballing nation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. We're on the up and up. We're Brighton. We're on the up and up. Yep. Uh, moving on. Last big name we kind of want to talk. Or we got two more to go. Uh, Jesus Ferrara, 90 minutes played, one goal, 76% passing with one chance created in a 3 0 win. He's been on the score sheet a couple times, been on the list a few times as well. Yeah, I would say he's the last of the squad. MLS yeah. guy, Greg knows him well. It's not really too much into that one. Yeah. And then um, most recently, we also had Pepe transfer to the Netherlands, as we said. Forgive me for pronouncing this one to uh, Grognagen. Grognagen. Over, yeah, it's, it's over in the Dutch Eredivisie. And um, it's a loan deal, just to clarify as well. So he went out. I think it's a good idea for him. I, I, I was... Very, very against his move to Augsburg last year. I thought number, I thought it was a bad move. We saw the likes of yep. a sergeant when he went to um, a struggling Bremen. Who? Where to Bremen? No, no. When he no the Premier League team. Who's he on now? Oh my god, Norwich. Norwich. When he went to Norwich, he went to a squad. Sorry, he went to a squad that has, is not going to provide him enough chances and not allow him to thrive and and play to his ability. And it's going to hinder his growth. And I thought that was going to be the same thing for Pepe at Augsburg. And unfortunately, I think that I think it was. So it's good to see him going out. I just worry whether or not this move is a smart move for him because that the, the club he moved to is has sitting on five points after five match matches in an albeit admittedly not as great of a league. Um, so if things keep going the way they do for that team, I think he might have just swapped one for the other. So we'll see. I still think it's good for him to get out of Augsburg, but. It's still dangerous at this point. I would consider it a pretty a really good transfer, actually. My, just because one Augsburg, we knew he had no shot at. We, we we all, I think, when the transfer happened, we were all like, "Cool, like we're happy he's yeah. going to Germany." But we're all, we were also all like, "You really should have been a little skeptical." Club. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't skeptical of his ability. It was skeptical of his his opportunity and chances ever exactly. going to be there. If he, I either him would have went to a Dortmund, trained with them, even played on their B team. And then occasionally got into the first team on yeah. on uh on Dortmund, I guess whatever you want to call it, yeah. And be given a real chance to succeed or perfect. Like if I had the primo opportunity for him, go to Ajax. That's a, I swear to God that was going to be the next words out of my mouth was I my preferred move for him was a place like Ajax, not not at a level of caliber like some of these other bigger clubs. Like Ajax is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I love watching them play. They're fantastic players, 
But that was a place that even if he wasn't playing to your point with the Dortmund comments, he's going to learn so much more from those from that coaching staff and those players around him than he was ever going to learn at Augsburg. Yeah. That, so, so I'm, I mean, listen, I'm happy to be back in Netherlands. I think that's a not back in. He's going there. Um, I think it's a good move, and it's his, probably his only chance for regular first-team football and the possibility to get back into the World Cup's uh, striker's position. Which I, think I, think way, I think it's too late. So it's over. Probably, but it's his best chance. Yeah. Realistically. Uh, other than that, I mean, he had it locked up. He lost it. It's like every everything. I mean, Sergeant had a chance, lost it. Yeah, he That's just it. a classic case of got off to a hot start. Everyone hyped him up, and then I'm pretty sure he didn't score for like the next eight, nine, ten matches for the United States that he played. So no, it wasn't that bad, but it was a lot of games, a lot of appearances, not a lot of starts. Maybe he had some assists in there too. Regardless, <laughs> anyway, let's head over to the Premier League. Uh, we got our weekly recap to cover all the games of the past weekend. Um, there were some midweek matches we kind of touched upon them last episode, but um, let's just start off with the weekend. First matchup: Mercy Star Derby, Everton nil, Liverpool nil. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a masterclass from uh, Jordan Pickford there in that man of the match performance, like an 8.6 rating overall. Did extremely well to keep Liverpool out, um, who were admittedly the better side for the majority of that match, even though the scoreline comes back 0-0. But um, he made a very a couple of very crucial saves, including a, a low-driven shot to his near post, which he just barely got a fingertip on. Might have deflected three inches, but enough to go off the post. So a really strong performance for him. And, um, you know, Reds continue to to slip there. I mean, with that Champions League discussion we just had over that midweek match, um, it's just not coming together for them. But I think that's a really big point for an Everton side that needs to get every point they can, especially against the big boys like Liverpool. Agreed. Um, so props to them at home. I mean, great. It's like great across the street, but good for them. Yeah. Brentford well, five leads two. Yeah. Good match for Brentford. They just keep rolling away. Um, Leeds, Leeds went down, I think, 3-0 pretty early on in the, almost pretty much the first half. Um, and it looked like they were going to start storming back. They, they pulled it back to 3-2, but uh, unfortunately for Leeds, like directly from, literally directly from the kickoff, almost 20 seconds after, not even, uh, Brentford pushed forward and grabbed another one and made a 4-2 and pretty much put out of reach. I think the real big talking point for this match is a uh, red card for Jesse March over there in like the 60th minute or so. Finally, a proper Premier League manager getting sent off. So, um, <laughs> pop is cherry, but um, an, an absolute, absolute masterclass for Brentford scoring five past the Leeds side, which I think is a fantastic team. Any um, concerns over Leeds? Obviously, after they had their really hot start, they lost to Brighton, drew it, drew at Everton, and had this bad result as well. Um, just a blip on the radar, or I mean, they're still like in eighth place. It's not like it's crazy. They have two wins, two draws, two losses. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's too much to be concerned about if you're a Leeds fan. I mean, they brought in so many players, and especially some some top quality players into that side. It's always going to take some side some time to gel. But I think even in a match like this, where the scoreline is five to two, I think they they didn't play as badly as the scoreline reflects. Like, yeah, going down 3-0 is not great, but having the great determination to pull that back to 3-2 is, is still a good sign. So there's still a lot more to come from this side, and I expect him to approve and, and really build in that eighth place. I still have him finishing closer to seventh, maybe even sixth. So that is passion. I'm bold with him. I really, I really think this team is underrated. Whatever you say, sir. Uh, Chelsea two, West Ham one. This game had a little bit of everything in it. West Ham obviously took the lead early. Chelsea fought back. Their second goal by Chilwell was goddamn beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, but obviously the biggest talking point right at the end, the bone foul on Mendy. Dude, I'm with every West Ham fan. That, that was absolute horse. Absolute, absolute nonsense. It's funny. I, I, I tweeted that at the uh, on our Twitter account, and uh, I was I was chatting with another. I think he was. I think it was a West Ham fan. He's like, "This is bullshit." And I was like, "Take it from a Chelsea supporter. That was complete bullshit. Like, there's no two ways about it." For anyone who didn't see it, um, Mendy went down to collect the ball, but instead parried it away. And Bowen came in after he parried it and jumped over Mendy and lightly clipped him with his foot. To which Mendy started sprawling around and play acting. Scored the goal. Cornet scored the goal, which was initially given. And upon a VAR check, they ruled it off for a foul. But it was absolutely 100% not a foul. So the only argument I could see me made towards it is, is by like, if you went by the book and definition of what happened, it was a technically a little later of a challenge on a goalkeeper. And you did clip him. He clipped him as he jumped over them with his foot, though. Listen, listen, yeah, listen, I completely get it. I'm not I'm not arguing for it. I'm just saying by the by the the way it's written, you probably have to call it like that, unfortunately. Yeah, my so here I, I get it. I totally understand that. And if you're a West Ham fan, you'll also be lamenting the fact that about five minutes prior to that, Cornet um had a header at the back post, which he rang off a sidebar. Tough header moving away from net, but still one that should have been converted. But the problem is VAR is there to overturn clear and obvious errors. I I understand most people are probably going to call that an error if you're on the side of it being overturned. But I don't think there's enough in it to overturn the goal still. Like, yeah, he touched him. But what happens What happens if he, he lightly grazed his shirt? That's technically still contact. By the letter of the law, you can overturn a lightly grazed shirt. Like, I think there has to be enough force into that to say you impeded the goal being scored. Mendy's on the ground, parried the ball and spilled it. He wasn't trying to collect it. He never was going to stop the goal anyway. So I don't see it being enough to, to change that over. I understand your point, but I still think it's ludicrous. It was It was more – that one was a poor use of common sense not being used. Yes. Just, just straight up. And I'm assuming because he went to the monitor, he probably also slowed the film down. Saw the clip like if if you take a picture of where Bowen's foot was on Mendy at the time of the challenge, looks completely like a foul. You yeah. watch that in full time, you know Mendy's completely faking it. He's been shaky as hell in that recently too for them. Yeah, and he had I, the balls to turn down a contract this week too. Yeah, well, apparently yeah, he doesn't think he's he deserves a little bit more than more than uh, Kepler. Yeah. <laughs> All right, less depressing stuff. Newcastle nil, Crystal Palace nil. This one also had a winner ruled out by VAR. This one was not as agree- nearly as egregious as the Bowen foul. But um, 38 total shots in this game, 15 on target, not a single goal. There was chances galore. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible. 14 on target. Was it 15 on target? Um, yeah. That's that's a lot of shots to stop. And, I mean, what a, what a match. I mean, that's, that's about – if you go look at the stat line for this game, that's about as evenly matched as a game can get. I mean, they're within five of touches, 599 against 604. They're within three of total passes of each other. And the possession is within 2%, basically a 3%. Like that is a close, close, close match. Um, are you surprised by that, that scoreline? Because for me, I thought, I think that Newcastle and Crystal Palace are incredibly well-matched teams, both very, very good this season. So 0-0 is 
only surprising in the sense of a tie that it's not three three. For I mean, yeah, obviously for the game that they 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 put on, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised by the draw. I I, I don't remember our predictions, but I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure one of us had to have had I that. If not, I think both. I picked a draw for this. Um, the only thing I'm kind of surprised about is where they're both sitting in the table. I mean, Crystal Palace had an absolutely ridiculous start in schedule. Uh, to the start of the season, I think they have like three top six teams, if not four of them. You play a Newcastle that does isn't technically one of them, but basically feels like one with the way their lineup is. Um, right, they had they have Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal so far. Uh, Villa, Brentford, and Newcastle. So four really good opponents. I'm a little concerned with Newcastle, just with the one win and four draw situation. Like to, like that game, I feel like they should have got three points. If not, I mean, I don't know. They had enough to at least potentially get any three points, and they had a goal ruled out. They drew against Wolves, who's been struggling this year. The Man City game. So you, like you see a Man City game like that, and you're like, holy crap, this team can't compete. And then you go away to Wolves and you're like, ah, oh, 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I think that's a little – I think it's a little harsh because two of their draws are one to Man City, which I think if you ask anyone in the league if they would take a point off City, everyone's going to say yes. And the other is to a Brighton side, which is absolutely flying under Graham Potter. So at least two of those draws I think are actually just as good as wins because – they easily could have they, you could easily lose a game to Brighton. You could easily obviously lose a game to City. If anything, the Wolves one, I think, is a blip on the radar. Um, but again, this palace game that we're talking about now, that's a good palace side, a very good palace well, side. Dude, like the fact that they like they have as many points as they do after what they faced, like I I yeah, we, we all picked them to be like also you have Leeds as a dark horse. I have them as a dark horse to be top 10, if not even yeah. pushing for Europe later on. Um, do they get there? Who knows? I mean, when their schedule lightens up a little bit. I think you'll see them start moving up the table quite heavily. Yep. Moving on, um, Forest hosting Bournemouth. Forest two, Bournemouth three. Is this the first game with newly promoted sides facing each other? I can't remember now. Um, or did Fulham maybe? I feel like Fulham would. Fulham, Fulham. <laughs> Fulham, Fulham, Fulham. Yeah, they they might. I think Nottingham might have already played Fulham. Uh, I don't recall to be honest with you. Um, no, Nottingham. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're good. Um, but regardless, Bournemouth, first one of this, uh, second one of the season for them. And what a win that was. I think that's a, a complete weight off the shoulders for every Bournemouth fan out there. And I mean, they did it in stupendous fashion. Did you get to watch the match? That was actually one of the few I could not, uh, get to this weekend. Oh, uh, what a, what a match, dude. Um, they, for anyone who didn't watch, obviously, um, Bournemouth went down 2-0 pretty, pretty quickly for the most part. And they stormed back in the second half. It was 2-0 at halftime, and, and they came out absolutely swinging and were able to nab that third and claim a win. And that has to be a huge weight of relief off the shoulders of Bournemouth fans, knowing that you those are games you have to pull points off. If you're going to stay up in the league, you need to win those games against newly promoted sides, and that's exactly what they did. So I think it might signal a turning point for that team, and, and hopefully at least they'll, <laughs> they'll be saying, um, knowing that their lineup – that is not going to get any easier in the coming weeks. Do you have any promise for them still staying up or now? No, no, I, I hate saying that. I really do because I, I like Burnmouth. I enjoyed it when they were in the Premier League last, but this is a long season and nine of losing to Liverpool and three to Arsenal and four to city. I know those are like pretty, I know those huge teams, but Still having to come back 2-0 down against Nottingham, I, it makes me wonder whether or not it was a fluke or this is actually is a turning point. But it is still four points from two matches. 
against struggling sides. So you, there's still is hope there. Gotcha. Uh, heading over, we got Spurs two and Fulham. Fulham, 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 uh, Fulham one. <laughs> um, their only losses are to Arsenal and Tottenham this year. They've drawn with Liverpool, Wolves, and they've beaten Brighton and somebody else, I think. Brentford. Yeah. I that, Look, I, I said about – say it again. How high up do you think? Like, I, I'm pretty confident in being secured in the Premier League. I'm not like out of yes. all the three teams, I'm the easily least concerned. Without a doubt, um, I, before the season started, I said the exact same thing. I, I put Fulham. Remember last season when you guys were busting my chops about I had Newcastle before all the money before the January transfer window. I had them coming in closer to like 15th place, and you guys laughed. I said the same. Well, we thing were laughing, and we were, this year. We, we, wait, wait, we were laughing, and we were right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys laughed at me when I first said it, but this year I said the exact same thing about Fulham. I think this side is a different type of promoted side. I think they're a team that, if they were in the Premier League last year with the players they had, still, I think they probably would have stayed up then as well. I, I think they're going to end up closer to 15th place, maybe even 14th. By far, I think you're 100 right. Least amount of worry with this side compared to Burnmouth and. And Nottingham Forest, regardless of the money Nottingham Forest has spent. Um, do you how high? Like I still think like 14 is where they could where they should shoot for. Shoot for. I don't know if it's gonna be possible to get to the top half. I still think it's too far out of their reach. But where do you have them? Top, top half, top half is they might enjoy some time there for a little while throughout or the throughout periods this season there. Uh, I, I I think that's definitely a possibility. Um eventually. I'm sure they don't have the depth necessarily to absolutely push like that. But hey, I mean, listen, just like your Newcastle prediction, maybe they get a uh, you know oil baron owner coming into the club and they got three hundred million dollars <laughs> in January. I don't know, so things happened, right? But yeah, I'm fourteenth, thirteenth place would probably be ideal for them. A, comf- a comfortable finish in the Premier League, and yeah, stay there for a second season. Yeah, I think if if you're if you're thinking about top half, if you're a Fulham fan, I think it's really going to be defined over the over the next um, two months. I mean, you're talking about ten uh, eight matches in that span, and that includes matches against Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Burnmouth, Aston Villa, Everton, and Leeds. You're talking about those games as being ones they probably could and should get points off of, including a match against Chelsea, who's floundering at the moment. So. Very, very big matches for them coming up. If they're able to to nick wins out of, what, half of them or even two one-third of them, I think you're talking about potentially a top-half team. Okay, interesting. Um, well, heading over, we have Wolves back on the win, uh, back in the win column, 1-0 victory over Southampton. Same thing, or not to the extent, but same thing roughly happened to them last year, right? They started off 0-0-3. Yeah, all one nil losses, and then they started to get back on track. It sucks that they dig themselves into these kind of holes, apparently quite often. But you think they're back? Do you see anything to scare you off of them this year? What's kind of your take on them? Yeah, I mean the Dendonker move to Aston Villa obviously didn't help. He was a pretty integral part of that team over the last couple of years. I know his playing time has been in and out last year, I believe it was. Um, but I don't. They're not the wolves that they they used to be. I don't think talking about the top seven or top eight or maybe even top nine is even going to be in the question this year. I have Wolves finishing closer to 11 or 12, to be completely frank. Um, I think it's a like Leicester. 
I think they just haven't done enough in in the off seasons to really. I feel like they got poached more than anything, right? Like they didn't really have any incomings. They lost Connor Cody to Everton, and they just lost Den Donker to Aston Villa. Those are two mainstays in that side for the most part over the last five years, when you consider it, right? I I just don't I don't know I don't have my my hopes high for them. Tough. What do you think about Southampton? I mean, they've had some interesting and and good results this past year so far, or this this year. Yeah, I think they're the, I think they're the same case. They had the a very similar start to last year, where they were they were um where they were winning matches. Right, James Ward-Prowse was just absolutely pulling points out of the bag by himself, and they got off to a decent start. But it's 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 not going to last. It's just not it's not a sustainable team, honestly. So where they're at now in 12th place, I think it's fair and probably where they're going to end up. But I I initially had picked them to go down, to be honest with you. I Sorry, Southampton really? fans. Yeah, I, I picked them. I'm, I'm fluttering on the cusp of 17 and 18 and eventually going down. But who knows at this point? I mean, Leicester has one point through six matches. So. <laughs> Understandable. You hey, think they stay up? Okay. So I, I, I think they do. I, I truly think uh, Nottingham Forest – are going down. I think Bournemouth's going down. And I said Leicester would be on the cusp of going down. Now I'm actually really strongly believing that I think they do. So we'll see. Yes, we will definitely see. Uh, the prime time game Saturday, Villa one hosting Man City. So Villa one, City one. This, I mean, ball one, Liverpool wished this result happened at the end of the last season. But <laughs> this was the type of game where City dropped points. You got to capitalize. Granted, obviously, City played after Liverpool. We can't look at it that way. But in a sense that they both drop points to inferior opponents. And if you're Liverpool, like, that's two points you could like you, you could have just gained on them right back that you haven't, that you've, you've dropped earlier in the season. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Any makes concern for Villa or just a blip? Any concern for, uh, oh, I said Villa, oh, my bad. Any concern for City, though? Or, yeah, I think there is a little bit of concern for City. I think in the short term, there's a little concern for City um, thinking about how many. I mean, that, that's two draws, right? And they've been behind twice. One, I think two of them, they came back to win and one of them, they came back to draw with Newcastle. So there is a little bit of concern there. But they I think put them talk- themselves down early in many games. The Newcastle draw. Palace, they were down 2-0. They were down 2-0. Like, yeah, they, yeah. It's, it feels like a little different of a City team. Granted, when they're down two, I've never been more confident team to come back and win. Yeah. I think when you're talking about individual matches, there's always there's a little bit of concern given how they've been playing, but it, the season's long, and I don't expect it to, to number one last and number two to make enough of an impact that anyone's going to take the title from them, um, especially considering what the, the next uh, the match we're going to talk about two from now. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Brighton five, Leicester two. We kind of just you know discussed the Leicester woes a little bit. Are you shocked? Rogers is still in charge. No. I think he's Not done sure. well enough for Leicester over the last couple of seasons that he deserves a little bit of time. Obviously, the matches have been atrocious from Leicester, but they easily could have gotten a point off Chelsea um, as well. They did not. Um, he won't be in charge for long. Let me just say that. I don't think he's going to survive the year. I don't even think he's going to survive till Christmas. But I do think he probably gets enough time to get him towards a little bit closer towards um, the World Cup break. I don't think he'll make it past October. I mean, yeah, I mean, if if these can, results continue, absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but I think when you take into account the firing of Tuchel and where he was at, 
do you think it's just the players believe in Rodgers or the board just isn't, you know? No, I think, I think the board has to look at it and, and go, I, at least I hope this is what the board's doing. I hope the board's looking at it and saying, we did absolutely nothing to help our team this year. Nothing. We, if anything, we, all we did was sell. We didn't, they're the only club that spent zero pounds in the Premier League. Really? Look at, yeah. If you look at the money spent, I think, I want to say the Premier League uh, Instagram or Twitter or something posted it, and they had a big fat zero in total spend. You so, sure it wasn't just net spend? Well, that's what I mean, net. I'm saying net. But okay. I mean, actually, no, because te- that, I think that technically came out before the Fofana money came in. So, I mean, they would have been like negative. 70 at that uh, positive 70 at that point but um no it's the board's fault what are you what are you supposed to do when when you're continuously selling off players and players are aging and you're doing nothing to replace them i mean this is what happens when you don't reinforce a squad um year over year and unfortunately that's the predicament Leicester's going to have to deal with for this year and maybe for the next couple of years because if Leicester finished that low in the table no European football that was a big draw for them to get these players like Pats and Daka and be able to keep players like James Madison right and that's obviously not going to be the case this year so they have one incoming uh Wout phase I, I don't even know who that is I'll be honest with you 15 million from Reims Okay. Well, that was completely offset. So one one incoming for fifteen, and they sold. They sold how much money? They they made how much money? Granted, uh, I know the I mean, Fofana came in for seven, wire. Say, yeah, seventy for, for for Fofana. They made like a mill or two off Shemichael, and everyone else was, I think, was just the loaner or, or it was a release. So yep. Weak window, man. Wow. I mean, that was that was uh, yeah. I guess you're right. That that was my main concern with them. So. Yep. Bingo. And then the last result of the weekend, we now have no undefeated teams. Man U three, Arsenal one. Is uh, Rashford back a little bit? A little brace action he's got. I hope so. I mean, he's been getting a lot of shtick lately, obviously, because I think it was lately. Just lately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had mentioned it. I think two weeks ago when he scored his first Premier League goal of the season, he hadn't scored one since January of of twenty twenty two. So he was in a serious drought. But yeah, I mean, it it looks to be like he's he's making his comeback. I don't want to get ahead of myself too soon. I mean, it's really. Three goals looks great, but they came across two games and it's early in the season. So if you can continue putting in strong performances, the only thing that really worried me was a little bit about his finishing. I want to say both of the goals he scored were deflections off the keeper going in. It didn't seem like incredibly clean. Well, actually, the second one was near post, but Man United has to have him back. They absolutely have to have him back if they want any chance of making a top four this year. Because obviously, Anthony came in and made that assist. I don't know if you saw it, but a great first uh, first match for him. Yeah, goal and assist, right? Nothing from Ronaldo, and then he's not really getting he's not really getting his minutes. Um, Jaden Sancho is not going to score 15 goals for you this year, and Sancho has to be that guy for him. It's not Sancho, sorry, Rashford has to be that guy for him. Fair. I mean, listen, man, you got absolutely crapped on in the beginning of the year, right? Lose two one. Deservedly so. Brighton. I mean, yeah, like, uh, definitely so. But and then got routed at Brentford four 0 Since then, they've beaten Liverpool. Arsenal, a Southampton team, and a Leicester. So, you know, two great wins. Southampton, okay, decent win the way they've been playing. And then obviously Leicester, they were able to escape. Not saying they were all necessarily convincing. The Southampton one had some controversy uh, with the McTominay uh, handball. But regardless, got the win. I, I'm not saying they're back by any means. I, I don't want to go there. But just do, do, you think ten, do you think 10 Hogley is just, you know, Starting to 
feel his way around the squad, everything about it. The Ronaldo situation calmed down a little bit too, a lot of less drama. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lissandra Martinez has been an absolute revelation in that back line since he came in. He put in like back-to-back man of, man of uh, match performances, and I'm pretty sure he saved them at least two or three points, but with goal line clearances here and there. So I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he's back. That they're back by any means because, as we know, Manchester United are like the definition of inconsistency, along with like Spurs and Leicester. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's good signs. I think 10 hogs moving in the right direction at a minimum and it takes some balls to put someone like Ronaldo on the bench and it's Sorry. paying off. So he's obviously knows what's going on. He knows what he has to do. So if you're a United fan, like if you're a United fan, how else would you have to look at that? Like, other than to say, he's not afraid to do what he has to do. Very fair. I, um, you know, what kind of tough decision that reminds me of. Bring it all the way back to Ted Lasso when he benched Jamie Tart after he scored a brace in the first half. Jamie Tart. And uh, guess what? Richmond went on to win that game 3-2. Roy Kent yep. assist. Just saying. Tough decisions make good managers. Yeah, Heading over to, um, I guess, just finish off the episode with the match preview real quick for the upcoming uh, games. You cool yeah. with that? Let's do it. All right. First off. On Saturday, we got Fulham hosting Chelsea. Draw. I'm going to go draw. Damn yeah. it, give it to it. I don't want to be similar. Actually, no. Give me this. Give me the sack bump. That'd be, that'd be call, we call the sack it. bump. I love it. Give me, give, me the, give me the sack bump. Give me a Chelsea dub. All right. Uh, Bournemouth hosting Brighton. Yeah, I think Top Brighton continues their streak. Man. Yeah. Uh, Leicester hosting Villa. Interesting matchup near the bottom of the table right now. Yeah, now this side looks particularly good. Three points. I don't think so. I think this is going to be a draw as well. I think Leicester know they have to get something. They're at home, and Villa's not like astounding me with their performances. If anything, they've been subpar, and they're lucky to get a point off a of city. I'm torn between a draw and then like just Leicester with their backs against the wall as a win, but they look so bad, so so. Bad. Yeah, I think it's tough to call a Leicester a win given what we've seen in six matches. It's the Premier League, bro. Gotta be. Gotta I'm not be saying it's not possible. Anyone could beat anyone on any given day, but I mean, the way that they look, you cannot possibly think they're gonna. That you can't give them the. Honor. All right, all right, fine, draw. You know, fun. <laughs> uh, Liverpool hosting Wolves. Yeah, I think Liverpool's gonna bounce back. I'll, I'll take the Poolmeisters for this one. All right, give me Wolves here. Not Wolves, but give me a, a Wolves coming back. Give me a draw here. They put out a point. Okay. Um, Southampton versus Brentford. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, It's going to be a very interesting one. I think it's going to be a week of draws, given the matchups we're looking at, and I think this is going to be one of them. Okay, okay. Um, And then the primetime game on Saturday, biggest talking point, we got Man City hosting Spurs. Yeah, I'm going to be on a flight for this one. I am not happy about it. Um, Sorry, bud. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're killing me, Steve. (laughs) Uh, What's that? We're taking down AC this weekend, so. Yeah. I'm actually going to go out and say a Spurs win for this. Spurs beat City twice last year. One of the few teams to do that. I think they beat him twice. Might have been a draw for one of them. They definitely beat him once. But Conte's a tactitional mastermind in these types of games, and I think it's going to pay dividends. I can see this running out as like a 2-2 match or a 1-1 match. Okay, so what are you taking a draw or are you taking the draw? The, the Spurs draw. Win? Oh, okay. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. 
Yeah, draw. <laughs> I, I changed my mind halfway through it. I thought about it and I forgot. I was throwing yeah, it off. Yeah, like this whole yeah, thing. Sorry. Like, he's a mastermind. He's going to get this dub. And I'll yeah, say, like, no, draw. No, no. Like, Let me rephrase yeah. that. I think it's going to be a draw. And I think if this is, if no Erling Holland, it would be a Spurs win. But uh, no, Holland's there giving me the draw. Okay. Yeah. Holland is there. So give me Man City. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on to the Sunday games, oh, Arsenal yeah. and Everton. Um, I'm going to bounce back game for Arsenal here. I yeah. think they're right the ship. And it's gonna uh, be all gunners. Yeah, I don't know if Everton has enough to get, get a draw out of this one because they're definitely getting a win. Um, West Ham hosting Newcastle. Interesting one. West Ham probably feels a little uh, pissed off after the last, last game against Chelsea. Newcastle just grinding out result after result here. Ooh, a tough one. Newcastle Does the team win. have enough to actually grab three points? Newcastle. Yeah. Give me a draw. Uh, Palace hosting Man U. I like this one a lot, especially at that being Palace at home. I think it's another draw match. Give me Palace win. Ooh. They need some points. Vieira's got them. He's got the he's got the boys. He the troops are got them. They're doing well. Yeah, they're they're moving and grooving. Um, and the Monday nighter, we got Leeds versus Forest. Um, assuming I guess Jesse Marsh got the right card, he's not going to be on the bench. Yes. So. Does that play a factor? No, I, I think leads are too strong. I don't see them. I don't see them losing this game. I mean, at a minimum, maybe the draw, but I think they're going to be able to pull out all three points against Nottingham. All right. I believe in the Americans, especially. <laughs> Give me the leads. Any other uh, final thoughts though, before we end the uh, episode? I thought I have one, but I, I think I forgot it to be honest with you. Like you lost your train of thought with that Chelsea, uh, thing earlier bro i brain farted so hard. i can i remember i can i can see that i saw the wheels turning but nothing was coming out um <laughs> now just just hoping for a little bit less of a var in, in interference this week uh, we had a couple big ones that we oh, didn't yeah, really so fully much. talk about um like the one with uh in the brighton match chalking off uh, an absolute worldie so i'm just hoping for a couple straightforward open play matches without too much interference all right gun to your head who's the new chelsea manager Gun to my head? Yes. None of the three we said. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't think Zidane will go. I don't think Potch will go, and I don't think they'll be able to get Potter. Interesting. I feel like from the reports I read, I feel like Potter's lock at this point. We'll see. All righty, sir. Interesting. Do you have a name then? I don't off the top of my head. I, I haven't had a chance to really think about it. I was working all day. And then came right here. Just got blown off then. So yeah, you, you feel it. <laughs> I thought it was a joke when I first woke up. Woke up and I was like, "Oh shit, okay." <laughs> like, yeah, I got the alert and I was like, "Not surprised," but like also, yeah, like, it's like six in the morning right now, so I'm a little just still dazed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, the Premier League, United States men's national team. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito, signing off. Just Vito. Not Mike and Vito. Just Vito. Wow. <laughs> don't, read off the, don't read off the script. Forget Mike. <laughs> Later, guys. Peace.